All right, welcome uh, back to episode two of uh, Somewhere in the Middle, a podcast about trying to figure out uh, how we can make sense of all of the uh, medical stuff that's out there and what does it mean to us as uh, consumers of medicine and you know how can we make the best of our health and our wellness um, overall. So today, I wanted to talk about um, normal. What is normal? Uh, and we're going to look at that from a kind of movement standpoint. Uh, and uh, straight off the bat, I want to talk about why we're doing this today. And the goal uh, is that we as people, we as uh, uh, athletes and exercisers, excuse me, uh, moms, dads, uh, students, you know, whoever we are, whatever role we fill, uh, I want us to be able to do the best at that role as far as our mobility is concerned. Uh, and so I want us to all be able to move well. I want us to be safe while we're moving uh, so that we can just do the stuff that we want to do, whatever that stuff is. Uh, so uh, that's why we're talking about this. Uh, I want to go over just a little bit of criteria as far as my thought process on normal. Uh, that way we can all be on the same page uh, and so if you listen to the last episode, I talked about uh, the FMS and the SFMA. I'm going to mention those again today uh, here in a second. Uh, but as we go over uh, what normal is, a couple of the things that I want to make sure uh, that I'm con conveying to you all uh, is that when we're talking about normal, the things that we're talking about need to be objective, um, which means that um, it can be repeatable, it can be measurable, uh, and we can have an accurate uh, measure of whether or not you've hit that particular movement goal. Uh, the next thing is I'd, I want to make sure that it fits a broad audience. Um, in other words, you know, I, I'm not looking for uh, sport specific. You need to be able to do the splits and, you know, a, a back handspring with a twist, um, right? That's not, that's, that's very specific to a certain crowd of people. Uh, and it doesn't really fit well with just the general um, audience of people who move, right? Um, uh, it needs to be repeatable, right? Uh, in other words, you know, if, if we are trying to improve mobility, we need to be able to do the movement easily uh, and repeatably to see has it gotten better, is it getting worse, uh, or is it staying the same? Uh, and then the other thought process uh, is that we want it to be easily applicable. If, if if thinking about mobility, if thinking about how you're moving and why you're moving and how you can improve your movement or why your movement is bad, if that's not easy to understand, then uh, you're probably not going to pay attention to it. Uh, or you're going to, you know, if you have to invest a ton of time to figure out how to look at this, uh, then that's just one more roadblock in the way of getting you moving safely and moving effectively and doing the stuff that you want to do. Um, and the reason I bring those up is because when I'm looking at people, uh, when I evaluate people, when I'm assessing people for their mobility and their movement, uh, I use the FMS and the SFMA. Those are acronyms for the Functional Movement Screen and the Selective Functional Movement Assessment. Um, and those are uh, some courses that I have uh, taken that, that are that basically fit all those criteria. Uh, they're objective. They're very well researched. Uh, there's a lot backing uh, the way that, uh, that that 
paradigm looks at movement and mobility, uh, and it accomplishes all of the things uh, that me as a clinician uh, need, all the things that I need to do uh, to assess how you're moving or how you're not moving. Uh, so we're not going to, I'm not going to teach you the FMS or the SFMA today, um, but that's where the frame of reference uh, is kind of based off of. So that's how I'm looking at things. Um, so if any of you have questions specific to that, you know, feel free to, to send me an email or a message and you know, I'd love to, to go over that as well. So uh, we know that we want to be normal, or at least I hope that you want to be normal so that we can move well, we can be safe, we can do the stuff that we want to do. Um, and what do we get out of uh, proving that we can move normally, right? What do we get out of being normal? Um, and as soon as you can move through these normal patterns, as soon as you show that you have normal mobility, uh, that means that you have uh, the basic level of movement ability. It's like, you know, typing. Uh, if you can show that you can home row type and you meet a certain number of words per minute, well then you, I mean that's proof, you can type, right? Uh, or if, you know, if you can play a sport uh, and you can, you know, throw the ball or kick the ball with, you know, a certain amount of accuracy, you've proved that you're good at that particular thing. And I want us to be good at moving, and so uh, if we can show that we're normal, then that proves that we have the basic level of movement proficiency or ability, which, um, you know, part of that is, are we mobile enough to do what we want to do? Do we have the muscle control and the strength and the posture awareness enough to do what we want to do? And if we can say yes to those things, I can move well, I can move safely, I can move easily, uh, then that proves that I'm now qualified to do something else. I, I have shown the basic uh, foundational mobility pieces uh, and because I have that basic foundation strongly in place, uh, now I'm perfectly safe to build on top of that. Uh, if I want to take up running uh, to lose weight or because I you know, want to do a marathon or something like that, uh, if, I, if I don't have some of the basics down, if I struggle standing up from the floor or, you know, if I can't move around the way that I need to, uh, you know, we'll go over some examples later on. But if I don't have that basic foundation in place, then when I put running on top of that, I might, I might be on shaky ground. I might, um, I might have a risk for injury. I might, um, I might not be able to perform as adequately as I need to. I might be inefficient. Uh, it might end up that this, this goal I have of running, um, isn't fun, isn't, isn't uh, doable, um, and then I miss out on that opportunity to run and compete or whatever it is, you know, fill in, fill in the blank. Uh, I might miss out on that just because I don't have some of the basics down. Uh, and so if we can be normal with our movement, with our mobility, with our ability to control our body, uh, then we stand a good chance of being successful and safe when we do whatever else above and beyond that. Right? So whether that's CrossFit or running or lifting or a sport or something, uh, we can do that, we can do it well, uh, and we can be safe as we do it. Um, so that's sort of the, the mindset I want us to be in. It's, uh, this is not just an exercise in you know, understanding mobility concepts. It's, uh, it's very applicable to uh, 
as many people as we can get it applicable to uh, so that they can move, so that you can move, so that I can move, um, and we can do it safely and we can do it well. And we're not up against anything. We don't have obstacles in the way of us doing what we want to do, what, you know, whatever that sport is or whatever that activity is. Uh, and I think that that's the key to um, you know, physical health is being able to physically do uh, what we need to do uh, and not having an obstacle in the way. So, um, so we're going to take a step now. I want to uh, talk about sort of the beginning phases, right? Uh, how, do we, how do we build this foundation in the first place? Um, and if you're a grown-up person listening to this or even uh, you know, a teenage person listening to this, uh, you've already moved past the phase where the foundation can be laid, right? Uh, so you're in the uh, fix foundation problems stage of your life. Um, but uh, parents uh, hopefully will be a little bit familiar with this, and, and I think that that uh, can make it more applicable to, uh, to you know, norm, not normal, uh, more applicable to, to just people who are trying to move better uh, and and get something out of their health and their fitness uh, if we start from the beginning and, and kind of figure out where this foundation is laid. So um, there's a term uh, when uh, babies are born and as they develop and start learning how to move, there are things called developmental milestones. Uh, and these have been pretty well researched and pretty well laid out um, as far as, you know, at, at certain ages, in months or weeks, we expect an infant um, to be learning how to or able to do a certain number of physical tasks. Uh, it's even uh, so well defined now that we can say, you know, emotionally, uh, a child should be able to, you know, look at a person or respond to facial expressions or, you know, um, recognize uh, you know, a timbre of a voice, um, or, or things like that. Uh, and, and all of that research is, is there to, to, you know, make sure that kids basically hit all of these foundational milestones. Uh, so for example, um, you know, by, by the time a kid's three months old, uh, they ought to be able to move their head around. Uh, they ought to be able to move their arms around, um, and start engaging with the environment that they're in. You know, by six, months, uh, they ought to be able to sit up, uh, you know, in a sitting position with some support on their arms. They should be rolling from their back to their stomach by then or from their stomach to their back both ways. Uh, they ought to be able, their little legs ought to be able to hold up their body weight. You know, obviously they wouldn't be walking uh, necessarily by them, but, um, you know, their legs should be strong enough and they should have enough um, control that if you stood them up, they could stand up and have their body weight on their feet. Uh, by nine months, they should be able to sit without any support. Uh, they should be able to crawl. They should be able to transition themselves into those different positions. So if they want to sit up, they can sit themselves up. If they want to crawl, they can get into that crawling position. Uh, and they should be learning how to move around and interact in their environment. And then, um, you know, by a year, we, we kind of expect them an infant to be able to stand up um, and take, you know, those first magic steps. Um, and parents, I think, pay attention to that. And, uh, you know, we recognize, well, gosh, you know, you know, a little baby isn't, isn't rolling over yet or, or, 
uh, doesn't like being on their tummy or doesn't, you know, isn't good at you know, whatever the specific movement is. And then doctors will say, well, are they doing this or are they doing that? Um, and all of that is based on this idea that, that foundationally, uh, all, of, all of our movement patterns are learned at a very, very young age. Um, and if we, if we miss out on those particular patterns, if we miss out on those time frames, uh, then it really does a disservice to us uh, as you know, adults uh, or, or older children because that foundation is shaky. Um, and so uh, it matters uh, that these foundations are put in place because everything else that we want to do that's you know, sporty or athletic or uh, aggressive or you know, recreational, uh, everything that's above just moving around uh, in your space is is built on top of this foundation of what we learn uh, and how we progress uh, as an infant and then moving into you know twos and threes and fours they have milestones for those age groups as well um, and you know maybe you've heard the term you've got to you've got to learn to crawl before you walk or or maybe you've got to you've got to walk before you run uh, and and that kind of uh, makes sense because you know, let's pretend that a child or an infant never learned, um, never learned how to stand on their own. Uh, like, for example, uh, let's say that uh, uh, for whatever reason, uh, they spend most of, of their time in one of those, um, like the toy saucer uh, that's got the, the seat in the middle and all the toys around it, and it's kind of bouncy. Um, that, that particular child maybe has five or six months total of life experience. Um, and so if they're, if they're in one of those kind of devices a lot of the day, then their, their brain thinks, well, this thing is holding me up and my feet are there to bounce me around. And so I should bounce because that's fun. And, you know, the world is bouncy and, you know, there's toys around me, so I should spin around in this thing. Uh, and they miss, uh, maybe that, that developmental milestone of being able to hold their body weight up. Uh, and so then, you know, as, as they're seeing other people around them stand and walk, uh, you know, they're, they're missing a step in holding their own body weight up. The, the expectation is that this other device would hold them up. And so maybe their little feet are weak or maybe their trunk develops weakness because it never holds up their body or maybe their legs, you know, aren't very coordinated because they don't have the strength to, to hold themselves up. And so then walking is delayed or, you know, you can, you can just imagine lots of things would, uh, you know, kind of domino effect out from there. You know, if they, they can't walk, they don't walk until they're a lot older. By that time they've gotten heavier. And so then they can't walk as long because their muscles didn't develop. And so now they, you know, have puny weak legs. And by the time they hit, you know, first grade, they don't like to stand and walk very much because, you know, their feet are flat and, you know, I mean, you can just kind of imagine, this deep rabbit hole, um, and uh, it's because that foundational milestone didn't get walked or didn't get uh, accomplished. Uh, and so, if you skip a milestone, or if you delay one of these milestones, or or um, it just doesn't get integrated into the normal movement patterns of that baby, um, there's some pretty big holes in your foundation, and. You know, it might not be very apparent at the very beginning of life. It might not be very apparent, you know, if you're, 
if you don't want your kid or your kid doesn't enjoy playing a sport and then you know they hit 10 or 12 or teenage uh, and then they they just decide they want to take something up and and now for the first time that that hole in the foundation or that lack of of a certain ability you know kind of comes through and and maybe they try to run and they hurt themselves or their knees are weak or their hips are weak but but you've never seen that because they've never had to push themselves like a sport or a recreational activity would push them and you wonder well geez you know why, why is my why is my kid's knee hurting itself all the time why why can't they do this that and the other and you wouldn't think you know 13 years ago they never learned how to crawl the right way or they didn't spend enough time you know in this phase or that phase we just we just kind of assume that maybe they're weak uh, but you know hindsight's 2020 and if if we have a realization that those kinds of things matter all the way back then when we're children or when your children are infants um, then you know we can have an effect um, and so it, it it pays to pay attention um, to where these foundational movement patterns start the process um, and then uh, that also gives us uh, a little bit of, of insight into how we can improve or, or remedy those holes in the foundation as we are adults uh, or, or you know grown kids um, working on getting back to normal so to speak so uh, I talked about this a little bit uh, on episode one uh, about what some uh, basic movement abilities are that prove that you've got enough mobility and stability that was the topic of episode one so we'll we'll go over those just real quick uh here so as an adult right so we're we're finished growing um you know everything has gotten developed the way that it needs to develop assuming everything is good uh, and so a normal uh, grown person ought to be able to stand up they ought to be able to walk on different surfaces without support um, they should be able to move from uh, the floor up into a standing position. Um, they ought to be able to move their body wherever they want to move. So if they wanted to roll around on their bed or if they wanted to get up and down from a couch or you know, up and down from a surface, then they can do that easily. Um, they ought to be able to balance on one foot, right? You and I ought to be able to stand on one foot for at least 10 seconds uh, and not have a huge loss of balance. Uh, and just as a side note, you know, I've been a PT for a long time, and this is a test that I have people do, and it's so surprising how how often I'll do this test. I'll just have a person stand on one foot, uh, and, you know, as soon as a person takes their foot up off the floor, their arms are flailing, and their hips are swaying, and, you know, they can barely hold themselves up for 10 seconds, you know, on a firm, stable surface just on one foot. Um, and then, you know, if you try to make that any more difficult at all, you know, like you close your eyes or you put them on a squishy foam pad or something, and it's, you know, it's almost like a lost cause that they just can't hold themselves up with one foot. Um, and, you know, they're surprised what a person should be able to, to stand on one foot with their eyes closed and, and not fall over. And, you know, to me, since this is my profession in my life, they, well, yeah, absolutely, a person ought to be able to do that. Um, and so, it, you know, it's kind of like a revelation that, that they didn't know what they didn't know. And all of a sudden I've shed some light on the situation and said, yeah, you need to be able to do this. Uh, and then as we go through the explanation with them about why, you know, sort of the things that, that I just talked about here today, um, you know, it's, it's really eye opening for them that, you know, for however long 
either they've never really realized it or, or they have realized it but never cared about it, uh, that this one-legged balance thing is really all that important. Uh, you know, more of a side note, if you think about every time you take a step, there's a significant amount of the time when you're walking that you're on one foot, right? You're not on two feet all the time. Uh, it's almost like you're only on one heel and one toe or, you know, the ball of your feet uh, from for every step, right? And, you know, you're on one foot on the heel of that foot and the ball of that foot. And then as you take your next step onto the, to the next foot, you land with your heel on the opposite foot, but you're still on your toe with the first foot. And so all you have is a heel and your toes, right, when you're walking. Uh, and so that one-legged balance ability is, is very important. Um, and then kind of building on top of that, a person ought to be able to walk, like I said, not supported, um, but they ought to be able to walk kind of like on a balance beam, like if you're walking heel to toe on a balance beam, not, not necessarily up on the balance beam, but in that same position, you know, a person ought to be able to do that, again, without arms flailing everywhere and hips and legs swaying and, you know, this big balance challenge. Um, I mentioned too, uh, just being able to squat down and pick something up off of the floor or at least squat down or lunge down with your own body weight uh, from the floor to standing. Those are normal movements and it's uh, maybe another way to say it is it is abnormal to not be able to do that. If you can't squat down or, or kneel down onto the floor to grab something or if you can't pick that thing up, you know, that's a, a comfortable amount of weight like some laundry or small box or something uh, that's that's pretty abnormal you ought to be able to to interact with your environment uh, easily in that kind of a way uh, when you're standing your head ought to be able to move everywhere they want your head to move it shouldn't feel tight it shouldn't feel stiff uh, it certainly shouldn't be painful or restricted when you're moving your head around looking from one side to the other or looking up and down uh, you ought to be able to move your shoulders everywhere that you want to um, some simple uh, tests to prove how mobile you can move your shoulder is can you touch your fingertips uh, behind your back if you reach one hand over your head and the other hand behind your back uh, and you ought to be able to get you know fingertips touching or at least reasonably close uh, without feeling like a shoulder is going to pop or explode and without having to contort your upper back and your body all over the place to accomplish that um, uh, and then finally a person ought to be able to bend forward and touch their toes uh, Again, without losing balance and without, you know, completely bending the knees and doubling over just so that you can reach down and touch your toes. And so those, those normal movement patterns, um, again, they're based off of uh, the SFMA and the FMS. Um, and it, that, that ability to do these different things, it shows that, that, yes, I have a certain amount of body control, I have a certain amount of mobility, I have a certain amount of coordination and postural awareness about my body and so I've met you know some bare minimums I've met some requirements to say yes now I'm safe to move into uh, you know whatever it is that I want to do and again kind of going back to the beginning I, I want to be able to move well and safely so that I can do the stuff that I want to do um, so then what if what if you can't what if what if when you're you know, testing some of these or, you know, you realize that you're stiff or you're tight or you're weak or you're restricted. What if, what if you can't do some of those certain movements? Um, and, you know, the, the negative impact, I think, really depends on the person that we're talking about. Um, you know, if you're, 
if you work at a desk and you don't have any goals or desire to go out and play soccer or volleyball and you don't really like to hike and you just kind of want to drive home and you know relax on the couch and then you know maybe on the weekends go shopping and you just do normal stuff and you know your lifestyle is rather sedentary then the inability to balance on one foot probably isn't very apparent and probably also doesn't have that big of an impact uh, on your life um, if you on the other hand want to you know take up some sport uh, you want to, you know, join the company softball team. Uh, you've moved to a new area and you've got good access to uh, some hiking trails or, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank of, of the activities that you want to do. Um, you know, if you, if you can't meet some of these bare minimum foundational things, then depending on which ones you can't meet and depending on what it is you're trying to do, then obviously those, those deficits um, will show up harder for some people and less uh, less apparent for other people um, but it, it, it will definitely impact uh, your sport or your recreation or the thing that you've chosen to do that's kind of a, you know above and beyond just normal daily living uh, for example you know if your shoulders are super super tight uh, you can't scratch your back you can't reach over your head you know let's Let's pretend, just put a vision in your head of, you know, super uh, muscle-bound, you know, gym guy who does bench press all the day, right? And his shoulders are super thick and his neck is super um, muscular and, you know, his pecs are just all over the place. Um, but then, you know, he can't reach behind his back and, and you can just kind of see that tightness uh, in his chest and his arms. Uh, let's say that guy wanted to take up tennis um, uh, or bowling or swimming or something along those lines where um, shoulder mobility uh, the you know loose flexible free moving shoulders is very important uh, either that that muscle bound guy uh, will be unsuccessful or inefficient at that sport um, or he'll risk hurting something else or hurting his shoulders uh, or he, he won't have fun with it right he won't be successful with it and and, and maybe he'll give it up uh, and I would say all three of those uh, are a terrible situation. You know, if you if you struggle with something enough that you want to stop doing it, you might be missing out on you know a really really great opportunity for challenging your body and learning something new and you know meeting people or you know whatever whatever kinds of things would would come from that. Uh, certainly, if if you hurt yourself, uh, then you are going to miss out on something. Uh, and so we we don't want to. Um, we don't want to have to deal with that. We don't want to have to deal with an injury or, or, or deal with, you know, uh, failing at a, at a activity just because we physically can't accomplish it. You know, uh, if you're not good at it, that's one thing. But if you can't do uh, the things that you need to do for that sport or that activity, well, that's, uh, you know, that's even worse. Uh, or let's say, for example, maybe hips are tight. Low back is tight. Hips are tight. Um, and, uh, you know, you want to go uh, do a half marathon, right? Some, some guys at the office or, you know, some friends, um, you know, mom group or whatever, uh, they're like, let's, let's, let's do the half marathon this year, right? Uh, and so you're like, okay, sweet, I can start training and it's just running, right? That's no big deal, anybody can run. That's a totally accessible sport to everybody. Uh, but, you know, hips are tight, your back is tight, maybe you've never really 
had the chance to expose those things. And so you start running and all of a sudden, your knees ache, your feet ache, your back hurts, your shoulders hurt, your head hurts. Uh, and and you, have to, you have to tell the group, no, I can't do it because I'm hurting myself, right? Or uh, maybe you're the weak link on the relay team, right? They can't finish the, uh, the race because you know, you, either you can't train hard enough or you're just unsuccessful or, or not you know, flexible or mobile enough to run. Uh, and again, you know, I, I, my goal is to, you know, help us think about these kinds of things uh, before they become a problem, um, so that so that you're not damaged uh, in the process. You know, I'd rather I'd rather a person ask for advice on how to prevent hurting themselves rather than pay me money as a PT to fix them after they hurt themselves, right? Um, and if, if, if I can save a person some aches and some pains, uh, and, and get them healthier before they hurt themselves, I, I think that that's a better service to provide to that person than fixing them after they've done something the wrong way. So again, uh, the idea here is, you know, if, if we miss out on some of the foundational stuff, and if we can't do those foundational movements well, then the risk Beyond that is if we try to do something more aggressive than, than just basic normal movements or athletic or whatever, then uh, the chances there to hurt or damage or be unsuccessful or just not do it because it's not fun because you, you can't do the things that you're trying to do. Um, I want to close today uh, with uh, a story about a patient that I had couple of years ago. Um, and you know, if, if, uh, if you're listening to this and I've worked on you, then you've probably heard this story cause I like to tell it a lot. Um, so, uh, a couple of years ago, this guy came in, um, and it was a busy day for me at, at the place that I was working. And usually I take a lot of time to read a person's medical history and, you know, get a, you know, as much of a background as I can about person that I'm about to talk to and, and work on. Uh, I try to get as much information from the papers as I can before I, before I meet with them. But uh, today was, a, uh, or this day in particular, was a busy day and I didn't get the chance to do that. And so I kind of went in a little bit cold. And so I was talking to the guy and, and, you know, he's telling me that he likes to run. He's been an avid runner for a really long time. Um, he, he likes to do marathons and half marathons. But, you know, lately he's getting a little bit older. And so um, you know, a full marathon is a little bit more wear and tear on his body, but he still does a half marathon three or four times a year, which, you know, in the back of my head, I'm thinking three or four times a year, I haven't done a half marathon in my whole life. And I don't know if I want to, uh, but this is, you know, this guy really enjoyed it. Uh, and he would do 10 K's every other weekend or five K's every other weekend. He just really enjoyed the sport, um, and the atmosphere of running. Uh, but he had been having some hip pains and some leg tightnesses, uh, and it was impacting how well he could run. And, and so his doctor said, well, go get some PT. Uh, and the guy, I mean, he was honest about it. At least he said he, he didn't really think that there was much that I would be able to do. Um, you know, cause what do I know? I'm just, you know, some PT who's been doing this for a decade and, you know, cares deeply and, uh, about making sure that people can move as well as they can and be healthy, but he didn't know that at the point in time. So anyhow, 
Uh, we look at this guy, and so I'm evaluating him and looking at how he moves. And part of the process is I look at their skin, and I look at their muscles, and I look at their movement, and I look at all the things that, that uh, are important when you're assessing how well a person moves. And so I look at this guy's legs, and he had runner legs. I mean, he was very muscular. His calves were muscular. His feet uh, looked healthy. Uh, you know, toenails weren't nasty and overgrown, and his skin wasn't gross and gnarly and dry. And, you know, he, he, he looked like his legs looked like he was a mid-40s experienced uh, runner. Uh, and his, his trunk, his arms, his stomach, his chest uh, was trim and healthy. He, he was not overweight. Um, and so just kind of looking at the guy, his legs looked like they were 45 uh, his chest and, and, and uh, trunk and arms looked like they were mid-50s. Um, and then when, you know, you get up to his head, he was bald, his, his beard was gray, uh, and his face looked like he was maybe mid-60s, early 60s. So when, I'm, when I was talking to him, that's kind of the impression I got just from looking at him, that this guy's in his, you know, early 60s, late 50s, something like that. Um, and he wants to get back to running like normal. I was like, okay, super duper. So we checked him out, looked at him, you know, came up with a plan of attack to fix these things. And, um, you know, in the end he realized that I was right and he did have some issues to work on. And so we worked on him and, and he got better. But the point of the story that I wanted to make here is that the second day that he came in, I made sure that I, that I looked through his, his records. Uh, and, and on there obviously is the date of birth and his age. And he was 93 a couple years ago. So that'd make him mid-90s now uh, at the time of recording this. And, and I looked at that and I said, that guy's 93? And so I had one of my assistants come over and I said, hey, did you remember so-and-so? And how old do you think he is? And, and at that time she said, oh, he, I, he looked like he was in his late 60s, early 60s, something like that. And I showed uh, this assistant his birthday and she was just floored too. I was like, that guy's 93? Um and uh, the, the point that I want to make here is that guy, that 93-year-old guy, had done something right. Uh, maybe genetically he was predisposed to be a good runner. But that wasn't all of the story. He obviously had a strong foundation. He obviously was consistent. He obviously cared about doing what he wanted to do uh, and enjoyed it. And that man, I'm going to assume, will live to 180. Uh, and he'll be outrunning me by the time that I die, hopefully in my late 90s. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of where I want us to be. I want us as a group of people to recognize, you know, what it is to have good mobility and what that can do for our life. You know, if, if we're getting older and, you know, if we can do something about it now, but we don't. So for example, with this guy, you know, if he's 40 and he chooses to not run, but he could, then when he's 70 or 80 or 90, he, he can't and won't be able to do that. If I want to lift heavy weights over my head now, but I don't, then when I'm older, I can't and I won't lift heavy weights over my head. Um, and you can fill in the blank there. If you're at a certain age right now and you can do something, you can stretch, you can exercise, you can lift, you can run, you can whatever, but you don't do it, then when you're older, you can't do it and you won't do it because you haven't been doing it. 
Uh, and so if we can start now, wherever we're at in our life, wherever we're at in our mobility issues, wherever we're at with our health and our wellness, uh, you know, right now is the time to start the process of getting healthy uh, or of getting healthier uh, or, you know, starting you know, the, the next sport or doing the next thing um, that we want to do because we've only got one life, right? And if we waste it wishing that we had done something but never actually doing it, then, you know, what kind of a life was that? So, uh, again, just to wrap it up, there, there's a normal amount of movement, uh, and that normal amount of movement proves that we can do other, bigger, better things. And if we can't do what, what normal is, if we can't touch our toes, if we can't move our head, if we can't move our shoulders around, if we can't squat down to the floor or kneel down to the floor and then stand back up, if our balance is bad, if we don't have the control in our body to move around in our environment, if we can't stand up and walk um, you know, without support, if we can't do those basic things, then for sure when we add stuff onto it, we're going to struggle uh, and we're either going to hurt ourselves or fail at the task or miss out on something that could be an awesome experience. So um, my goal as a PT, my goal with you know, talking through on this podcast is that I want, I want you to be aware of those things. I want you to understand uh, that there is a normal, and if you're not meeting what, what normal is, if you're not moving normally, uh, then right now is the time to start working on that and fix it. So uh, I hope you enjoyed today. I hope you learned a little bit. Um, as always, feel free to get in touch with me, ask questions, uh, shoot me an email, um, get on my website, uh, I'm going to work on getting a submission page for questions and comments there on the website so you can kind of interact with me there. Uh, but until then, uh, feel free to email me. Everything is live well and move. L-I-V-E-W-E-L-L-A-N-D-M-O-V-E. -L -L -E. Live well and move. So you can look at my Facebook group, Live Well and Move. I'm on Instagram, Live Well and Move. My email is livewellandmove at gmail. Uh, that's a Google mail. Um, or livewellandmove.com is the website. So yeah, please reach out. Please feel free to get in touch with me, ask questions, uh, leave comments. Uh, I'd love to answer questions that, uh, that any of you have. Um, I'd like to make this as interactive as possible rather than me just talking about stuff. So uh, feel free to get in touch. I hope everyone has a great week. Um, have fun, and I'll talk to you next time.